time is the charm. Is it? Okay. Are you recording in Audacity? I'm about to start again. I kept pausing every time. I was like, hey, you're having an issue. Yeah. Uh, third time is the charm, hopefully. Um, Yuna got banished to the floor slash bed or wherever she went. Let me turn her heating pad on. Hold on. My heating pad. She claimed it. Here. No, it's hers. Come by mommy. On your heating pad. I turned it on low and not warm. She got mad at me last night. She kept whining until I turned it up. Because I like to keep it on warm when she's on it. Because I'm scared she's going to like burn herself. Get over here and lay down. Anyways. Okay. A so. A diva. Yes. Very much so. There might also be a cat in here. She might be under my bed because she's not in my window. So we might I might have to get up to let a cat out, but I swear there was like racket going on behind me and it was not Yuna because Yuna's butt was right here. Oh, yeah, I found her. Do you want out? <clears throat> okay, we are not pausing recording again. Nope. So I'm going to go let the cat out. Y'all just Go hang tight for a quick second. It ain't like I'm going anywhere. You want out, Dee Dee? Come on. Just gonna take over the world. Okay, you gotta jump. Can you jump? us like what 20 minutes to like get settled because your whatever it was was making noise and you know wouldn't get still and oh my goodness it's a it's a heck of a time i'm just i mean it's been a heck of a week and it's only wednesday <laughs> don't remind me what is it I'm did like, you text me on what monday or tuesday and you were like it's what day was it i think it was, was tuesday it, what, yeah, you were like, it's only Tuesday, and I'm over here like, I need it to be Friday. And I'm just like, oh. honestly, tomorrow's going to be really easy, but it's going to suck. <laughs> yeah, who who has kids start school on a Thursday? All I'm saying is the rival school had it store on a Friday. Uh, that doesn't that bother me. That makes sense to me. Can someone else in the Texas educational system, please DM us or email us and explain this I'd to me. I'd rather you not. <laughs> you, you don't even read the emails. I do. I don't have the emails pulled up right now. We're here. We have one unread message unless I refresh it apparently. Well, I have a bunch of, I delete a bunch of emails. I read a bunch of them and I delete yeah, them because we get. I mean, it's, it's open on the laptop yeah. that I never use unless we record. It's just here. Yeah, we, we have a listener story that I'll tell when I cover that location um and then like we get a bunch of like podcasting emails from like people wanting to like dual record like request to like go on their show or um attend like marketing like networking events and stuff and I'm over here like listen we're way too busy for that 
wait. <laughs> so, especially, especially now. I'm about to be like, yeah. I'm like, it's a guy. If you ever want to catch me, you got to catch me literally in the spring. And even then, I'm busy. But I'm yeah. Less busy. I, I always respond, and I'm like, thank you so much for the invite. I would love to, but unfortunately, like both me and my co-host have full-time jobs that is not podcasting. So, um. Because if it was, Jordan would yeah. be all over it. Yeah, I would. I would love to do this for a living, but I don't. And I honestly do, really do think I'm going to like my new job, but it's only been like a week. And I feel absolutely useless right now. So I'm in like a really weird headspace. Um, yeah. Look, I literally spent, because how we do stuff now for our team is, we make bands by bands. I mean, like they have like little wristbands that we um that like we stick there of the plays in, and it tells them where to line up at, what the thing they do, and everything else. But we gotta like every week, we have to make new ones just because game planning changes a few things. And, you know, we might tweak something here, tweak something there, and we gotta print them out, laminate them, and then put them in. I mean, it's just like man. Today I looked over and there was a lot of them and I remember everybody said, oh, we can just do that tomorrow. Boy, I sat there and I just kept going and going and go. We got done at like five. <laughs> it's like, and then I started at I started doing that at five. Yeah. It was six ten before I left, and I'm definitely was not finished. And I was like, man. And someone was like, you're not gonna do all those already. He's like, oh no, oh definitely not. But I'm like, I was like, I'll be honest. Everybody said, I will do it tomorrow. I was like, yeah, y'all gonna y'all gonna find out how long this actually took when y'all start doing them tomorrow. I am like having to rewire my entire brain because the like contracts that I'm working with, they're leases mostly. And whether it's like a tenant, like um, my company is a tenant lease, so like another landlord's lease, or like us as a landlord, um, I've been working with like government um, product contracts, um, mm-hmm. or like research um, and development contracts and stuff like that. Um, maybe a purchase order here and there, but I'm going to work and having to like rewire my whole brain. I just. Like, you were lucky I got anything done for this podcast this week. Look, if you had told me we had to wait a week, I wouldn't have cared. I would have just, like, finished the last episode, two episodes of my show, put all the track stuff that I had to make sure I gave to someone else back in the bag, and then I would have probably laid down and cried. I mean, I seriously thought about it. I seriously thought about just recording, like, a mini episode on Friday and putting that up because I knew this was, like, your first week of school and this was, like, only my second week at work and I had done all of this, like, background research on this one location and I was, like, finishing up the, like, ghost notes for it the other day. Turns out it's not really haunted and... Well, I thought that was great when she told me that, like... She was so upset. I'm like, I don't, I don't, like, I don't know why you're upset. That's was perfectly just like fine. The apparently. karma. The karma. I was like, oh, that karma. I was like, I got what I wanted. <laughs> but I thought it was funny because it happened like literally the episode after the the Russian sleep experiment, and so I was like, 
thanks world. And I got super excited about this place. I was like, this is so cool. And, you know, and I was, I'm trying to like find things in different countries. And, um, at my new job, we just opened up a, like a lot of locations in Canada. And so like, everybody's been talking about Canada and they were really excited when they heard that like I spoke a bunch of different languages they were like do you speak French and I was like I can read French I can't speak it so I might start learning French um but who knows I'm here like Spanish I'm like guys they're like can you tell what this said no 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 context clues my god (laughs) No, 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 no. When you say it, I usually know what you mean. If I like, mm-hmm. but I can't say it back to you. And they think it's like this. I literally thing. only like that with love languages. So the like Latin-based languages, I can generally understand you if you speak to me, but I can't speak back to you. It's a strange thing. But but it's very common actually. Like my language teacher, my Korean language teacher, said that that happens a lot. Um. But anyways, yeah, so, like, I had spent, like, two whole weeks, like, read a whole book on this place, like, just the history, and was so excited, and there was, like, so many crazy things going on, and, like, the place itself wasn't necessarily a, like, like, it wasn't, like, a bunch of tragedy happened, I mean, it was a hospital, so, like, a bunch of people, like, you know, passed away or whatever, but, um, it was just like the things that were there before it and it had all these crazy names, um, you know, that were associated with it. And I was like, this is going to like make DQ's head spin. I was so excited. And I got down to the ghost part and I kept like reading all of these like first person accounts. And I was like, yeah, this is good stuff. And then I get down to this part that's like, oh yeah, my brother used to like be paid to hide in the walls and scare people. So then I was like, that just invalidated every single ghost story because they were paying people like children to hide in the walls and like scratch on walls and like make weird noises and whisper and like you know wear all white clothing and like run across the hall or whatever and it wasn't even just during like halloween time like they were being paid to do this like all year round because people were assuming this place was haunted so the owners were like well we need to generate revenue somehow so we're just going to make it into a fun house and it's like i spent two weeks doing research on this place and never once came across it across that piece of info until like monday morning and i was so upset And so then I was, like, scrambling to try to find a different topic, and I found a good topic, but then I was so tired I kept falling asleep every time I'd, like, try to research it, so. This, this, this episode might be a little rough, but, uh, what else is new? Welcome to this episode, or this week's episode of The Dumpster Fire. I thought it was called A Fearful Earful. Oh, my God. No, we're changing the name to A Dumpster Fire. Gerilyn's already, Gerilyn's already drawn the stickers. Hey, look. Do what you gotta do. Do Gerilyn, where things are. Oh my goodness. I was at GameStop and someone called 911. What? Yeah, I just thought about that. Did a nerd pass out? No, 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 no. So. Oh, did someone really steal walked... something? No, it's nothing like that. I walked in. The only reason I even went to GameStop today is because it's the only day all week I'm gonna be there before they close. And the Funko Pop I pre-ordered, like, literally, like, last December finally got here. And I was just like, yeah, I'm getting it today. Um, So I walk in, 
this man he got these like steam cards right and he has quite a bit of and what had happened i know they printed he had uh, probably misunderstood or whatever but they they asked they asked did he want a refund on some of the cards and apparently they said yes so they gave him a refund which was 150 and they said well, there's no guarantee that these will work yada 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 and i feel like you just ripped me off a, a certain amount of money he said like i think he said 150 also and it's just like He's all right. Well, I'm gonna call nine one one, and I'm just like, bro, what are we doing? And like, because like the person, the person really didn't do anything wrong, from what I could tell. Just like I felt like it was just a misunderstanding, and like all of a sudden, the person behind the counter is like, applauding and everything else, and you know, it's just like, and all of a sudden, like, and then they start crying. Aww. And, and I'm just like. And I'm like, and also another girl that's there. It's like, there's no manager here. It's like, she, like, and like they, like, no, like he literally can't help you. And it's just like, you know, kind of going to that. And, like, and they like, after they got done the conversation, you know, and the person is like talking, like, and he said, all right, you know, just help everybody else. And he like, you could tell the other guy was still upset, but like, the person's like, still helping other customer, but like, is you can, it's it's built up at this point. And, you know, they're crying and everything else, trying to get through it. And I also, it's my turn. And we had a laugh because they typed in the wrong number. And it was like, hey, your membership expired. And I'm like, hey, yo, what? I was like, it's like, they were like, huh? It's like, it's expired or expiring? It's, oh, it's expired. It's like, and it says you have no pre-orders. Hey, yo, hey, run that back. And they tell the names, oh, that ain't me. So we didn't get it again. And then it was the right number. And, like, we laughed a little bit. She's like, and they were like, I'm so sorry. It's like, I, I said their name. It's like, it's okay. It's okay. I'm not upset. It's like things happen, but like you know, and you know they gave like a little thank you nod and everything else, and then they got it, and I was like, I've been waiting for this one. Like it's like I thought about getting the other two, but I wasn't sure, but I had what to get Funko more. Pop? Huh? What? Oh, is it, it? It's Yuno from Black Clover. It's who now? Yuno, Yuno, not Yuna, Yuno. <laughs> <laughs> I heard you know, and I was like, Yuna's not in Black Clover. You won't even watch Black Clover. I watched half the first season before I got mad at it. What'd you get mad at it for? The voice actor for the whiny kid was really annoying. He wasn't even whiny. He's just, like, hyperactive. I don't care. He was annoying. And then... Another person who I shall not name was like, just watch it in Japanese. And I was like, but I didn't start it in Japanese. Well, you'd have been fine. Um, Yeah, I probably just need to watch it in Japanese. Honestly, no, like the English voice actor was fine up in, like, I was not finished in Japanese because, like, English was behind and I couldn't wait no more. So I just finished it in Japanese. (laughs) Well, he was watching it in English. And then I, like, kept getting mad because I was like, this voice actor is getting on my nerves. It, it, it ain't that deep, Jordan. <laughs> it is. That's why I stopped. It's the main reason why I stopped watching Attack on Titan. It ain't that deep either. <laughs> yes, it is. Like if I anything... didn't like the Japanese voice actors for that one. Anyways, we need to jump into this story because even though I like did all of the research today... It's still a lot longer than I thought. But hopefully it won't be too long, because we're both very tired. True. 
Uh, I'm still going to finish this episode of Classroom of the Elite. Like, it's going to happen. But I'm going to be in bed, and I'm going to wake up, and I'm going to go to my classroom, make sure things are good to go, because I'll be honest, I didn't put my chairs out, and I was like, It'll, I'll do this tomorrow. <laughs> Come here. Let me put your dapper on. Ow! I just, like, bit my fingernail back. Having TP. Sorry, she refuses to go on a puppy pad when I'm home, but she really like tries to hold it all day when I'm not home. But uh, if we're recording, she'll just sit there and whine at me, and I'm like, I can't get up and take you outside every two hours. So she wears a diaper. She can hold it for several hours. She chooses not to. Because when I'm home, mommy is her slave, and mommy takes her outside. Slave is a strong term. More like, you know, you're a peasant. No, I'm joking. Um. <laughs> Do you see these pink headphones? This is not the headphones of a peasant. But the I issue might be is, your slave. But. but the issue is, Yuna, to Yuna, you're a peasant. Is it because I got you a princess couch? You got that kid dog a lot of things. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right, time to take over the world. Yes. And we're going to travel all the way to the scariest country on the planet. America? Australia. Oh, wow. oh sure. 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 Listen, <laughs> they have giant spiders, other animals and creatures that literally look like they came off of an alien spaceship. Don't talk about the koala like that. I'm not talking about the koala. They have some, like, really weird animals and insects over there, but I just can't get over the snakes and the spiders. Those things are huge. Um. It makes sense. It makes sense. Huh? Weird Australian animals. There was this one bug that I found. It looked legit like an alien. And it's like a type of a spider. Does that make sense? I don't know. It looked like an alien, but it was like an arachnid or whatever. And it's like this, it's from the same family as like a daddy long leg. But I don't have the picture anymore because my phone went good. Uh... A flanger. The who's a what's it? A flanger. It's known as a wrist winged glider. So it's like a tiny marsupial, kind of like a, but it's like related to a possum. Um, there's a frog mouth, which what? is a bird. It's called a frog mouth. Let me see if I can pull up a picture. I'll send it to you in the chat. It's weird looking, but it looks like. A really weird owl. Yeah, that's called a frog mouth. Alright, let me click on this. Like, I was like, disappointment of a thing real quick. They have this, like... You know, I'm not honestly nipple. distraught by it. I'm looking at them like, you know, that would be a good pet for some people. Not me. Uh, they have something called the thorny devil. Ooh. Which, it has like a fake second head. It is like the weirdest thing. 
it's a lizard, but it's covered in spikes. It looks like, okay, so you know the the dinosaur from Land Before Time named Spike? Yeah. Who was, like, the little, the little, like, over, like, huge lizard thing that had spikes and then, like, the ball yes. for his tail? It looks like that, only small, and then has a fake second head. And then they have something called a bandicoot. Well, uh, duh, that's, what, that's who the character's based off of. <laughs> oh, well, I didn't know that. Yes. Those things are endangered, by the way. I know. It was, it used to be like, it was like, the like who was it? It was like fourth grade. It was like, it was like on the tax, it was like on the reading tax test. And it There's was like. There's this thing called an you know. akinda. It's like a porcupine with a platter, like a shrunken. Yeah. Yeah, that's what, that's Knuckles from Sonic and the, Sonic the Hedgehog. Anyway. Okay, well, <laughs> Look, like, it's really to me. Like, I'm saying, like, it's funny. The first couple things, I'm like, oh, that sounds weird. And you start naming stuff like, oh, that's based off this. That's based off this. I know what that looks like. Anyways, okay, Australia is terrifying. Mm-hmm. Okay, they just have, like, really weird bugs and giant spiders and animals that look like they came off of an alien ship. So, also, Australia was populated by Europeans, because it was, well, I mean, there was all indigenous people living there, and they basically kicked them out, because the Europeans were like, hey, we want a new penal colony, because the state of Maryland was their penal colony, but after the United States declared independence from Britain, they were like, we need a new one, so they started putting convicts on ships, and shipping them to New South Wales. Uh, well, what they had dubbed New South Wales, uh, the Aboriginal clans had other had another name for it. Um, I cannot pronounce a single word mm-hmm. in the Aboriginal language. I tried my best to translate. I have two words that I'm going to talk that I'm going to briefly say. I'm just going to apologize up front for uh, horribly destroying your beautiful language. Okay. So, we are in Sydney, on the Sydney Harbor. Um, I don't really know if the town is called Manly, or if it's like the Manly Peninsula. I don't know. It's literally called Manly, and it's spelled M-A-N-L-Y. So, I don't really know if, like, Manly is the name of the peninsula, or, like, the province, or whatever they have. I don't know. But we are going to talk about North Head Quarantine Station, which okay. is at the very edge of Sydney Harbor. This place is dubbed the most haunted place in Australia. Um, it's also known as North Head Quarantine Station and Reserve. Uh, and more recently, it was just renamed Q Station. Um, there, It's still heavily forested. And so it's home to, like, a lot of endangered species, uh, both uh, insects, birds, plant life, that sort of thing. Um, Lots Mm -hmm. of snakes in the area because it's Australia. But um, so it's it's also like a national reserve. Mm. Uh, I lost my place. Hold on. Okay. 
So the complex was operational as a quarantine station for 152 years. I did the math pre prior to this. You'll be so proud of me. Um, so it was operational for 152 years from August 14th of 1832 to February 29th in 1984 it was operating as a quarantine station until the 80s and i'm kind of surprised that it reopened it as a quarantine station during covid well when covid began yeah which they might have i didn't really find a whole lot on the internet about them actually using it as a quarantine station but i found a lot of articles that were like Here's what we should have learned from the use of this quarantine station and the fact that these were needed in, like, the early 1900s, late 1800s, and uh, we're still doing the same stuff wrong. So... Are you really surprised? (laughs) Yes, actually. When this place was operational as a quarantine station in the 1830s, they would use steam to disinfect things. We are still using steam to disinfect things, even though we have technology that's way better at it and more cost efficient, not hot, so it's not dangerous to use, and you can use it on people. And instead, we're still like delousing people. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I am surprised. I mean, I'm not surprised because it's the human race, and the human race is kind of stupid, but. We, we, we have the technology, but people are greedy, and so it's not widely available. So we're still kind of forced to use archaic tactics, and we responded. We didn't respond any better to this worldwide pandemic than we did the Spanish flu or scarlet fever or anything else. We did the same exact thing. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. History just repeats itself. But anyways. Okay, so... Uh, Q Station was known to have held up over 13,000 travelers. So I wrote held up. I probably should have written incarcerated over 1,300 travelers. 13,000 travelers. I wrote 1,300 and was like, that's not correct. So then when I was fact checking three minutes before we started, I was like, oh, it was was 13,000. But then in uh, the podcast Hillbilly Horror Stories, they stated that it was over. Hillbilly Horror Stories? Yeah. Uh, Honest stuff at this point. I was listening to their episode on the North Head Quarantine Station in Sydney, Australia, and they stated that Q Station held over 26,000 travelers. Not at one time, but like over the 152 years that it was operational that it incarcerated or locked people up like it locked up over 2600 travelers um so i'm not even sure that the australian authorities even know for sure how many people in total were ever like locked up there um but we're just gonna say between 13,000 and 26,000 possibly more so this the the station was used to quarantine incoming ships that were bound for New South Wales to keep the colony safe from shipbound diseases because there was another ship named the Bussera Merchant. Bussera? 
B-U-S-S-O-R-A-H. So sorry if I said that wrong, but we're going to call it the Basora, Basora, whatever. Basora hey, sounds you, better. You be just making up these names. I'm, I'm convinced. I'm not making up the name. It's on Wikipedia. And the Q Station website. Okay, there you go. Okay, so the Basora merchant uh, was quarantined in Spring Cove um, on her first convict voyage. So the first time that this ship brought convicts to Australia from Europe, mm-hmm. it ended up being quarantined because over 170, or there was over 170 convicts that were on that ship and four of them died on board on route and they didn't know why but it takes like three months i think to sail from where it where it was docked in like uh i forget where it took off from because i didn't write it down but uh where it departed from and didn't take off it's not a plane um but it, it takes roughly like three months to, to get from point A to point B and four men died and they're on a ship and they have to keep the bodies. And so it's like, well, they could have been, the dead bodies could have contaminated the rest of the people. Don't throw it. No, they didn't do that. Um, <laughs> it just makes a hand motion of like throwing bodies over the side of the ship. But uh, no, they didn't do that um, because they're entitled to a burial once they make landfall so um so they were like well the disease could have spread from the dead bodies or the people on the ship could have already been contaminated nope which it's the dead bodies so we're blaming well you can blame that scientifically that doesn't really happen i did a lot of research on that in high school but uh, i bet you did i know that yeah i mean it was definitely a concern if year if like a mass grave was dug and filled too close to like drinking water but usually once the body dies whatever infected the body like the virus or the disease the bacteria would also die too because it can't live without a host so like there's very little chance of like disease spreading to other people but, like, it can still, like, contaminants can still get in the water if it's, like, too close to a water supply, which would then just make people sick. But it wouldn't necessarily give them whatever, like, the dead body had. Mm-hmm. So, anyways. Um, but, so this merchant ship had to be quarantined in, quarantined in Spring Cove for 40 days. Um, because they had four people die on board and they didn't know why. And they were like, well, we can't just like let these people off this ship if they're also sick, because then that, then that can infect everybody else. And then all the people in our new penal colony will die and we won't have free labor. Mm -mm. I tell you, I work about it, but you mean, Uh, um, so then the need for a facility like Northhead was further reinforced by Governor Darling's Quarantine Act of 1832, which set aside the whole of Northhead for quarantine purposes in response to the, like, cholera pandemic between 1829 and 1851 in Europe. So because of the cholera outbreak, this governor was like, 
no, 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 no. This is why we need places like the quarantine station because we can't allow people with cholera to enter the facility in a facility like this that funnels everybody. So it wasn't just like, like every merchant ship, every ship carrying travelers or whoever had to go through this quarantine station. And so originally they required ships, both merchant and passenger ships to stay at anchor for 40 days in the Harbor. But then Mm -hmm. merchants like started not doing that because they're like, Hey, I'm losing money. If you're making me stay here for 40 days. So then they would just like sail around the Harbor and like, wait, like drop the anchor somewhere offshore, somewhere else. And then like boat to the Island to like sell which means they could infect anybody who was in, you know, Sydney or any other col- like colony or in New South Wales that they were headed to. Mm-hmm. So the Quarantine Act of 1832 made it law that, and I mean, in Australia, it still has very strict ro- laws for like people c- coming into the country. Um, if you were, <laughs> if you were entering the country you had to go through this port. This was the only port that you could enter this country through. And you had to stay at this quarantine station for 40 days. It didn't matter if you were sick or healthy. We had to make sure you didn't become sick. And they didn't know what the gestation period for a lot of these illnesses were. So like 40 days was kind of like the the safest amount of time. Um, but most people would die within a week or two of contracting any illness. So back then anyway um so upon entering the station travelers would be separated into groups first they would be separated into sick and healthy Mm -hmm. then they would be separated by gender so male and female and then again by class and so they'd be separated into first second and third class go figure (laughs) um to curb the spread of disease passengers would have to take a carbolic acid shower which would disinfect their skin and kill any lice they might have. The showers were 10% carbolic acid and like 90% water. And sometimes there was like another, sometimes it was like 80% water and 10% this other disinfectant, but it changed so much that most of the time it was just whatever they had on hand. Um, But it was always at least 10% carbolic acid. And once, and it wasn't just sick people, everybody had to take this shower. And within days of taking this acid shower, their, the entire top layer of their skin would peel off. So it would just burn their skin and then make the entire top layer peel off to disinfect their skin, but mostly to kill any lice because lice could live in any part of your body that had hair. So they would just make you take an acid shower to clear everything. Um, uh, Okay. And there were tiny little holes in the showers so that station attendants could literally watch you shower to make sure that you were doing it right and there was no possible way you could still have lice or contaminants on your skin that could spread to anyone else. Um, Also, I'm pretty sure there was probably some perverts in the mix there that enjoyed watching people take showers. 
mostly women and children, but that's just my opinion based on, you know, humankind. Um, so carbolic acid is a sweet smelling liquid that's one of the oldest antiseptic agents in the world and is still used today in India to keep snake, to keep away snake investment infestations or to prevent snake infestations so it's so acidic that even snakes won't go near it and so they like spray the ground or certain areas to keep snakes away and if you look it up now like it's still used for certain things but like there's literal warnings that are like don't swallow it don't come in like don't let it come into contact with any part of your body don't breathe it in don't get it too close to your eyes like even the fumes will like make you go blind and stuff and i'm like they were literally making people shower in this stuff back then mm-hmm. so yeah um then their trap the traveler's belongings would then be put in like a giant vault that was like a gas or a steam chamber and their belongings would be steamed at 239 degrees Fahrenheit to kill any germs that was like on any of their belongings, personal effects, clothing, suitcases, shoes, anything. Um, everything that they had on them or with them would get steamed so that they could make sure it didn't have any germs on it. And I didn't convert that into Celsius, so sorry. Um, no need to. um but then healthy people even though they'd already been forced to take an acid shower they would still be made to inhale a steam infused with zinc sulfate several times a day so they would go into this room and like breathe this steam that's infused with zinc sulfate several times a day to keep them from getting, you know, sick or whatever. And I did Google zinc sulfate. Um, it's not like it's in, it's an inorganic compound. So it's, it's not naturally occurring. Cause like zinc sulfide is like a naturally occurring salt, I think. Um, but it's a diet, like people take it now in like a pill form as a dietary supplement uh, to treat, like, zinc deficiency or whatever. Um, but it, in excess, like, it can cause abdominal pain, vomiting, headache, tiredness, um, all of these, like, horrible, horrible side effects that, like, nobody would want, and they're making people breathe it in. So I can only imagine what the side effects were back then when it was in their lungs and not their stomach. Mm-mm. Because, like, in excess, like, it's extremely toxic. And all I can think of is, like, this is so terrible of me, but, like, when COVID first started, did you, do you remember, like, Trump being, like, if bleach can kill germs, like, why can't we just drink it? Yes. Do you remember that comment? Yeah. And I'm, like, Trump was born in the wrong era. He needed to be in the 1830s. He'd have made it, he'd have, he'd have fared great during all of these other pandemics that were out there because he'd just be like, hey, listen, just drink some cleaner and you'll be cured. It'll kill all the germs in your body. And no one would have called him stupid then. 
because it's literally what they did. So. Okay, so not only does Q Station have an incredible history, but it's also an important cultural, natural, and historical It's also of important cultural, natural, and historical significance to the Aboriginals. So we don't know a whole lot about uh, Aboriginal clan history on the Manly Peninsula or in Australia period before Europeans arrived um, because they Europeans basically wiped out almost wiped out this entire people um so their his a lot of their history is just gone um it's mostly orally passed down but um we do know that one of the local clans associated with the north head area was the kayamai kayamai so sorry um the area which so north head i think is actually like a small tidal island which i believe a tidal island is like an island that's there when the tide goes out but then it's mm -hmm. like covered when the tide go comes back in or vice versa I, I i don't know which way it is um i just had the urge to say something really stupid as a joke but i'm not gonna do it um was it gonna be cringy no, it was going to be about Australia being on the bottom of the world, so, like, everything's upside down. Um. <laughs> there was, like, a wiggle song that pops into my head every time I talk about Australia, so. <laughs> um. Yeah, you did. Um. So... I think, like, North Head is actually the name of this, like, tidal island, which I could be totally wrong. Um, but that area was an important, like, ceremonial site used by the Kora Degi, Kora Degi, which means the wise ones. And um, the Kora Degi is, like, a clan one of the clans that's associated with the northern beaches of Australia. Um, so the whole area was like a place of significant teaching and ceremonial practice, but I think they did um, burial ceremonies on that tidal island. And then also one of the tour guides in an episode of something that I watched said that they did, there was also indications that they did, um, burials or burial other burial ceremonies on another mm -hmm. place on the peninsula where the third class dining room is now built so kind of just a lot of assumptions or speculations based on like what kinds of artifacts that they have found in certain areas um but but we do know that that entire area was very very important to local uh, aboriginal clans um north head is also home to various flora and fauna, including the endangered populations of eastern long-nosed bandicoots, uh, little <laughs> penguins, uh, sunshine wattle and eastern, well, sunshine wattle, and they're located in e the eastern suburbs, Banksia scrub. That's a mouthful. 
So the bandicoot is a marsupial. Uh, so there's like a bandicoot and then there's the long-nosed bandicoot. Um, and then the sunshine wattle is a shrub or like a bush. Um, it is kind of weird looking, but it's pretty in its own way, I guess. Yeah. And then the eastern and the eastern suburbs, Banksia scrub is actually a whole collection of endangered plants. So it's not so the eastern suburbs Banksia scrub is not like the reserve or a portion of the reserve. It's like what they call an entire collection of endangered plants. So there's like flowers and shrubs and some trees that are very, very important um, to the ecosystem of Australia and are pretty much, uh, well, they're endangered because of deforestation and colonization and industrialization. So um, that's one of the reasons why the Q Station has become like a national park and a historical monument because they have populations of these endangered species, both flora and fauna, that you know, came to the area because it was protected in a way, or they were planted there so that they could be protected. Okay. Um, and then, of course, we all know what little penguins are. And yes, there are penguins that don't live in the cold. There are penguins in Australia. Why do you say it like that? Well, because 10-year-old me didn't believe that. And then when I went to high school and learned it was true, it blew my mind. And I have argued with adults, adults that do not believe that there are penguins that live in warm climates. Penguins apparently only live in the North Pole or the South Pole. So, yeah. Um, you, you a different breed at this, like a 10 year old me. I was like, 10 year old, you was a dummy. But I was like, no, it's not. Well, 10 year old me was a dummy because I was gullible. Was. Anyway. I'm not gullible anymore. About most things. Yeah. There are still a few things that I'll, I'll let, you know, because it's like things that I don't know anything about or know very little about. I'm like, I just assume everybody else knows more than me, but I, it doesn't occur to me right off the bat that they're pulling my leg or like, telling me a joke because they know I'll believe it because I don't know anything about it. So okay. I'll figure it out eventually, but that's not my first thought. Um, okay. So the practice of quarantine began during the 14th century in an effort to protect coastal state cities from plague epidemics, you know, like, uh, uh, Povelia Island in Italy. Um, the word quarantine actually comes from the Italian words quarantina uh, giorni, which means 40 days. So that's why people generally would quarantine for 40 days. And um, I think Italian scientists at the time were like, that's plenty of time for us to find out if people are sick and make sure that they can't pass it on once they get better. Um, so ships that arrived in Venice from infected ports in Europe were required to remain at anchor for 40 days before they could offload um, goods or people or whatever. So then from the 1830s until 1984, migrant ships arriving in Sydney with suspected contagious uh, diseases stopped inside North Head. So North Head is also like the harbor itself. Um, the harbor? Yeah. 
And so, like I said, because of the Quarantine Act, they were required to offload passengers and crew. So it wasn't just your passengers. Like, if you were a captain of this crew or anybody who worked in the boat, you were also required to um, to quarantine as well. Even if you were never going to go into the city or just dropping off, they would, would want to risk or reduce the risk of you infecting anyone else anyone else that you would come into contact with in another country. So it's just to stop the spread as much as they can. But of course, there were other ways to enter the country. So, um, mm-hmm. or like there were other ways the disease was getting into the country. Um, there was one guy who got the plague in like 1870 something that he went through the whole quarantine thing and all of his belongings were steamed and everything and he was living in this this colony and he gets this box of books like a package of books from London and he got the bubonic plague from this this box of books so they weren't yeah like they were doing a great job I guess for the time of like keeping disease from spreading person to person for like immigrants coming into the country, but um, they definitely apparently weren't disinfecting like goods and mail and stuff that were coming in from other countries very well. So, or they would like disinfect the outside of the package, but like not the inside. Mm-hmm. So, and like the bubonic plague bacteria, like can live on a surface a crazy long time. Like, and in weird surfaces, too. Like, it can live in paper. And a lot of, di- like, a lot of bacteria and stuff can't live in paper or, like, on paper for very long. So, it's just a, it's a thing. Um, so, the diseases that they were screening for were the Black Plague, typhus, which was carried by lice, which is why these showers were so important. Because they were literally being deloused head to toe. Uh, scarlet fever, cholera, measles, smallpox was the biggest killer of them all in the 1830s until TB and the Spanish influenza took over around World War II. Or World War One. sorry. Um, <laughs> yes. Which was the topic of the hospital that I was going to cover before I found out the haunting was most likely fake. Um, and I had this, like, whole spill about how, like, TB is not gone. It's still very prevalent in third world countries and some, like, second world countries. Um, my dad actually was, like, medically discharged from the military because he got TB from sticking his hand inside of a civilian who was caught in crossfire who was carrying it. So he tested positive for TB and was medically discharged from the military because they they had to. And like, he never really... Get sick self out of here! Yeah, I mean, he never really had, like, any terrible symptoms, but the the treatment to get rid of it kind of, you know, made him really sick. And he had to get, like, vitamin shots for the longest time to, like, recover from it. It was insane. And I was like, TB, because I was in high school, and I was like, TB, you can't get that anymore. And he was like, uh, yeah, you can. And so I, like, had this, like, whole spill of, like, countries that it was, like, so prevalent in and, like, things we can do and all this other stuff. And then I didn't even use those notes. Well, here in young Jordan, 
works wonders because it's like the polar opposite of you now. Well, I'll say polar opposite. It's like young me was like this, and I'm like, what? <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of things about young me that are still the same. I'm just way better about covering them up or uh, keeping that part of me contained. Because uh, young me had no filter. Old you doesn't either. Not around certain people. But for the most part, around like my mom and my mom's family, I have a great filter. So and Your mom would chop off your head. No, your mom would beat you to death. No, She's she fine. would pinch my head off. Well, or you know, actually, if you want to be, if you want to get even, just throw a lizard at her. <laughs> we this whole lizard fiasco. I'll have to tell y'all about it on a different episode because I want to get through this story. <laughs> oh yeah, no, definitely. She told me about oh, God. it, and then, like it was, it made me question a lot. Yeah, me too. Me too. Because I was like, Mom, it's a lizard. And she was like, but it can crawl on me while I'm asleep. And I was like, it's more afraid of you than you are of it. I promise. And she was like, I don't care. Babies. Yeah. And then she was like freaking out about the dogs. <laughs> and I was like, Yuna will chase it and kill it for you. And she's like, no, it can bite them. And I'm like, it, it's a lizard. And then the one that she caught wasn't even a lizard. I, it was like a newt or whatever the version that lives in East Texas is. I don't know. But yeah. Okay. So, in 1838, a ship from Scotland carrying six cases of typhus was accidentally cleared to continue into Sydney. So, this is a few years after the station opened, and they weren't requiring, like, healthy people to stay in the quarantine station for the entire, like, 40 days. And if they wanted to, um, like, there were different parts of the port, and so they might, like, kind of sail into a different part of the harbor or around the harbor to a different part of Sydney and dock to, like, offload, like, their goods and stuff. Um, and so the ship was carrying 16 cases of typhus, um, which is carried by lice. So 16 people had lice and then were released into Sydney and so they had, they found 144 cases of typhus within the week, and they sent all of those people, plus everybody that came in on the ship and the crew, back to North Head, and 45 of those people died, including the captain of the ship and his 10-year-old mm. son, because they were accidentally cleared as a healthy ship and were allowed to just go into Sydney without doing the, like, showers or the quarantine process or anything like that um but even though that this station was gravely needed um or was sorely needed there we go was sorely needed and important for the time conditions at the quarantine station were not as great as one would hope it was <laughs> absolute chaos go figure so, the station was really only designed to house about 200 people at a time. But, of course, it was horribly overcrowded um, because they were requiring everybody to stay there for 40 days at a time. And they would have sometimes 10 ships come in in a day. And ships could carry anywhere from 10 to 600 people. 
So, uh, the lower class, yeah, 10, depending on the ship and how far or where they were coming from. Um, so the lower class dorms and accommodations would sometimes pack as many as 60 people into one space. But if you were in first class, everybody had their own private room. (laughs) So, and, um, of course, a lot of the people that were in third class were not white. So, you know, yeah, um, I really, really hate that. But there, there were also like, I mean, it was a penal colony. So of course they weren't just like putting, you know, white prisoners on these ships. They were putting prisoners of war, which were coming from all over the world. There were like Asians that were sent there. There were um, African American or African people that were sent there. I mean, it's anybody who was not European and was not a convict was anybody who was white and not a convict was considered first class. And sometimes the convicts were considered first class or at least second class. But if you were anything but European, you were automatically third class for a very long time. Um, let's see. I'll also this again. Okay. So guards were told to shoot people who broke the rules by leaving their assigned area or trying to escape and proceed into Sydney. After a while, people were getting very mad about that uh, because it's not a prison. It's not a prison. It's a quarantine station, but you're not required to stay there for the rest of your life. Like you're not being sentenced to stay there. So then they imposed six month jail times and fines to keep people from you know, breaking the rules because the rules were set in place to keep people safe, um, not to keep you away from society. I mean, they, it was to keep you away from society, but only for a limited amount of time to keep the rest of the people safe from getting a disease. So they didn't see it as like a prison, but it 100% was a concentration camp. You will not change my mind. Um, so... All the, so there were 900 soldiers from World War II that were uh, sent to the quarantine station because they were Australian soldiers and they were returning from war, but they had the Spanish flu. And so they were sent to the quarantine station and they had been promised first class accommodations, but then another ship turned up with more than 1,400 people in it. Instead of the expected 400, so the soldiers were told that they'd be sleeping in tents um, on an area of the complex where brown snakes could get them. And then their food started to be rationed, so that made them really mad. So they escaped, and they dared the armed guards to shoot them, which of course the guards didn't because they were returning soldiers who were probably also armed and more skilled than them. But... The 900 soldiers didn't make it very far. No. Um, They were intercepted by police, and the police, instead of sending them back to quarantine station, arranged for them to be taken safely by boat to the Sydney Cricket Ground, where they slept on cots, but they had all the food they could eat. So I guess they were happy about that. I mean, I guess. I mean, technically, they didn't try to escape until they started rationing food, so... Uh, yeah, I mean, hey, I'd be pretty upset about that, too. They were starting to ration the fruits. Alright, I'm gonna head out. 
yeah, I'm just gonna go find me some real food. Um, I'll have to tell you the story about, um, in like a mini episode or something, there was a, mm -hmm. a group of uh, convicts that escaped one of the penal colonies and were like trying to escape Australia and they walked across like the desert and like, I mean, cannibalism is involved, but it's kind of funny because like this one guy just wouldn't die. <laughs> Like the cannibalism isn't funny, but it's it's funny in other portions of the story, but it's also really sad. But um just the things that this person kept getting away with. Um, but he escaped from like he was sent to Australia because he was a in like he was a prisoner. He was in prison. So um Alright, so Q Station is now a resort with a five-star hotel and restaurant. Uh, there's lots of boating and fishing expeditions that you can do. They have hiking and swimming and a lot of other activities. They give ghost and historical tours. Uh, they have overnight ghost inf investigations and Halloween events. It's also a popular venue for weddings and corporate retreats and conferences. So now it's like this huge holiday center. That's what they call vacation in... Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it was like this horrible, horrible place built for a very good reason, but was not run very efficiently because it was overcrowded. Um, and, oh, I forgot to, to say this earlier. They only have record of like 560-something people dying, but the people who like work there are like, that. that has to be incorrect. Like, we only have it recorded that 560-something people died here or 570-something people died here. But it has to be way higher. Because, like, those diseases were killing people left and right back then. So I definitely think that it's higher. And like I said, Australian authorities can't even tell you how many people actually had to stay there. So it's a good bet that there's there was definitely a lot more death on, on the area than um they want to admit or that they can prove so mm -hmm. it's a great it is a great breeding ground for paranormal activity also you've got to throw in the fact that it might be an indigenous burial ground slash site where rituals were happening which rituals and that kind of spirituality is not inherently bad by any means but there is like a negative connotation of like building on top of sacred ground whether that be a cemetery burial ground place of worship uh, anything there's like that huge stigma of like don't build on top of this ancient indian burial ground or this ancient Mm -hmm. indigenous people's burial ground otherwise it's going to be souped haunted but i don't think that this particular area was like forcibly taken from aboriginal from the aboriginal clan it could have been but i literally could find no history and the area is reported to be the area where like the first contact between europeans and aboriginal clans happened and it's like I thought I had it written here. Yeah, some of the earliest contact and formative interaction between the British and Aboriginal clans happened in this area. So, 
it probably started out as cordial as possible, and then the Europeans were like, hey, cool, we're going to stay here now. You got to move. Um, <laughs> but like I said, history is written by the victors, so we don't actually know what happened, but we do know that Europeans literally almost succeeded in wiping the Aboriginal culture off the face of that continent. So, anyways, we're going to move into the ghosts now, which is why everybody. Uh, we haven't even done that, and it's like 10 o'clock. Okay, I will speed through this. I really actually don't have as much as I thought I did as far as, like, the ghosts. But, um, there, there is a, okay, but it's considered one of the most, or the most haunted place in Australia for a reason. Um, literally people, like, staff and visitors say that this place is bursting at the seams with, with paranormal activity. Every single building, because uh, a lot of the original buildings are still intact. Uh, the original dorm, like, first-class dorm rooms are what were converted into the five-star hotel. Um, I believe one of the... Uh, I don't remember if it was one of the dining halls or another area that was converted into, like, the restaurant. Uh, but, I mean, they still have, like, the original shower block. They have... Um, the original hospital building is there that's set up like it would have been for historical tours. Um they have, uh, like, the the third-class dining hall is still intact. Uh, it's not really used, but they but it's there. So, um, but, but, I mean, people who visit there just kind of, like, come out of that place feeling weird and creeped out and just feeling like something else that they couldn't see was there. Um, this place has cold spots, whispers, crying, apparitions, you name it. Q Station has got it. K2 meters are known to just go absolutely nuts in various places, uh, but it's, like, never consistent. So it's not like, oh, we get K2 activity really well or a lot in the shower area. It's like you'll go in with a K2 meter and <laughs> um, you, you'll go into the shower area with a K2 meter and it'll go off. And then you'll go in later on or a different time with the same k2 meter and it won't even move at all and then sometimes you'll get hits in the morgue or whatever and so it's just never consistent so we can't say that it's like oh it's like electrical interference or whatever because it's if it was something natural or like it was a an emf field generated by technology or like an unprotected uh, uh, or uninsulated, like, electrical box or wiring, it would be consistent, and it's just not. Um, people report, so, let me back up. The shower area is, like, the hot spot. You want, yeah, you want to catch a ghost, you go into the shower block. Everybody who investigates in the shower block or goes there specifically to see a ghost or to witness paranormal activity will generally walk away getting exactly what we're getting something along the lines of what they asked for. Um, people report figures in the showers. There's a weeping man who's seen in the shower area. He's just kind of like standing there crying. Um, there's a little girl seen and heard in the lower class shower blocks. So the shower blocks are separated by uh, classes. So they would bring, like, the men in first and then the women second. Um, but, like, the first-class showers are nice, and then the second-class showers are, like, kind of nice. And then the third-class showers are, like, locker room-style showers. Or, like, prison-style showers. There you go. It's like, locker room. It's like, 
locker room is probably like mid so okay so we have like korean spa level showers and then we have locker room level showers and then we have like prison level showers but there are individual showers it's just like how nice are they um so there's a little girl seen and heard in the lower class shower block. She's crying and she's constantly like state like weeping and kind of like whimpering about how she doesn't want to get in the shower. Mm-hmm. And so people will hear her say, no, it stings or like stuff like that. Or I don't want to go in there or like, you know, this person said it hurt them. I don't want to do it. Things like that. Um, but no, but it's one of those things where, like, they can see her momentarily and they can hear those things, but they can't ever get her to interact with them. So they think that that's more residual harm for her because she doesn't interact or respond to any line of questioning. Um, there's also a station attendant that's seen in the shower area. So they see the weeping man, but then they see someone else who's wearing, like, a bluish uniform. Whereas, like, the other guy that's crying is kind of wearing casual clothing, like, dark casual clothing um people report being shoved against the walls in the shower area which honestly is not a place where you want to be shoved against a wall huh yeah like they report like getting shoved up against the walls in the showers and i'm like that is not okay (laughs) um what (laughs) I think we're on two different wavelengths here. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, like, either it's the it's it's a ghost of somebody who was doing that to people that were at the quarantine station, and he's okay, still okay, doing okay. it now. I, I got you. 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 But I was like, what? <laughs> Like, I mean, it's not okay to be shoved up against the wall in any situation or in any location, but it's like, please don't do it in a shower. Gives the wrong impression, my dude. Um, Other guests report feeling very uncomfortable. Uh, Some will report feeling very hot or even like their skin is hot and burning. Um, In one of the guest rooms of the hotel, there's actually, so they only have reports of like, two kind of dark and aggressive entities and there's the one in the showers that you know well i guess the one in the showers kind of shoving people against the wall it doesn't necessarily feel dark he just kind of like well i mean they don't even know if it's he like people just report feeling shoved up against the wall where like they'll be shoved up against the wall and they'll have to like fight to break free um but there is like an aggressive spirit who hates women in the hotel and in one of the guest rooms it's very common for the drawers to open on their own and then the wardrobe doors will swing open and hit somebody if they're standing too close so like if you're standing next to the wardrobe the door just like swing open and whack (laughs) but apparently more women report this than men so people have just concluded that this ghost whose name is like samuel or something um (laughs) Like, he's been named Samuel. Um, They just assume he doesn't like women. 
Um, in the hospital area, staffing guests report seeing a pair of gray. There's a lot of nurses that are seen in the hospital area, but there's a set or like a pair of gray nurses. So it's an apparition or like a shadow, but it, instead of it being a black shadow, it's more like gray and opaque. Um, um, there's another entity which has been named the matron or matron, and she particularly dislikes people who are being disrespectful and not necessarily disrespectful to like the history. Um, you could be being disrespectful to another guest, to the tour guide, uh, kids who have been disrespectful to their parents. Um, she'll, she's been known to pinch, um, pull hair. Uh, I think she tripped a dude once, like, uh, she really does not like people being disrespectful. Um, there's two other nurses, um, Elizabeth McGregor and Annie Egan. Both of them died due to Spanish influenza after World War One. Uh, they were they both volunteered at the quarantine station, so they knew that they could get sick and die as well. Um, but they weren't being paid to be there; they were volunteering their time after the war, and they were caring for soldiers who had returned from the war who were sick with Spanish influenza. They both caught it from their patients and were dead within six days. Um, so I believe it was Annie. One of them was like a Roman Catholic and had constantly like on her deathbed asked for a priest to be led in to give her last rites. And unfortunately her requests were denied. So she was buried without last rites, which to a Roman Catholic is like a huge thing. Um, so it's very sad. So a lot of people think that she pops in and out. Uh, or she's still at the quarantine station because she was not buried with her full rights, even though she was, and one of them was buried with, like, full military honors. Um, but people who have investigated in the hospital and, like, gotten EVPs, they'll ask for names, and they constantly get the name Annie or McGregor. So people do believe that it's Elizabeth McGregor and then Annie Egan that, kind of just make an appearance every once in a while. Um, mm -hmm. People report seeing, like, two apparitions. Um, people report hearing whispers in the hospital. Um, a tour guide was sitting at a table in the hospital area, and she began to hear snoring coming from one of the hospital beds. And um, it was covered by a sheet. Um, but then someone else was in the room and was like, oh my God, look at this. It's getting the imprint of a person. And sure enough, they watched as this like imprint in the bed started to form and they could like see head, arms, elbows, legs, hips, and heels being pressed into the bed, like the indentation. And then it went away. So it wasn't like that indentation is there all the time. It was there and then it went away and it's never happened again. And they swear they were the only two people in that building. Which, honestly, like, if a person had laid down on the bed, you'd be able to see. But, you know. Um, so then there's the kitchen in the hospital. So there's several kitchens. There's, like, an employee kitchen. There's a hospital kitchen. There's a kitchen in each dining room. So the first, second, and third class. Um, the hospital kitchen in the third class dining or the third class kitchen and third class dining room and the hospital kitchen are very active. So in February of 2010, a tour guide said that she felt a rush of cold air come out of a room. Um, oh, he, I'm sorry. 
So this tour guide felt a rush of cold air come out of a room that he was about to pass by. So he had a whole group with him and they was leading them into the kitchen and he goes to pass by this door that's open and this rush of cold frigid air comes by and hits him and then someone else in the tour group saw this like black figure of a man rush the tour guide and like knock him over so the tour guide himself didn't see this thing come at him from this room he just felt the cold air but that other person saw this black shadow figure come out of that room rush the tour guide knock him over and that uh, visitor in the tour was able to like catch him on the way down so he never hit the floor but now um so now every tour guide that goes into the kitchen they believe that the kitchen is that particular spirit space and he gets agitated when large groups of people come in um so they knock before they enter and they tell everyone to enter very cautiously and to be very respectful in that area because um uh, people report being like pushed uh cold spots are very common in in the hospital kitchen um and like things will they'll hear like loud bangs and like things will move around so um they try to be as courteous as they can so now we're going to move into the morgue um so i don't know why people do this but like every time there's a morgue that's haunted people have to go lay on the slabs like the tables the autopsy table or like the tables and the like refrigerators that you pull out everybody always wants to lay on those and i'm just like mm, no too many dead people have laid on this thing mm -hmm. um but they would only autopsy the people who died on incoming ships so if like someone died at the station they wouldn't do an autopsy but if someone came in on a ship or a ship came in and it had a dead person on it they would do an autopsy of that body to try to figure out why what killed this person um so they would remove all of the organs and there was like a window in the wall that went into the adjacent room and they would pass all of the organs every single organ brain you name it through a window into the lab next door um and the lab would like do all the testing and stuff i'm getting flipped off i don't like it oh Sorry, it's just my longest finger. Ain't it supposed to be? Well, yeah, but it's kind of hard to get my pointer finger to the corner of my eye when I have my glasses on. Um, okay, where was I? Oh, yeah. So, there's another tour guide. I mean, they have several. So, one of the tour guides was laying on the autopsy table, but she didn't have a group with her. She was just kind of in there by herself. Don't know why. Also don't know why she decided to lay on this autopsy table. She heard someone shuffling around the, the like, autopsy slab. Because it's like a stone slab. So they don't really call it a table. They call it a slab. Return the slab. <laughs> um, what do you know to talk of? Return the slab? Yes. Is that from Night at the Museum? I'm going to take Never mind. It. I was like, no, God, you gotta tell me. I tell you when you get things, when you get movie references that I make wrong. But it's not a movie reference. It's a Curse of Cowley Dog reference. Oh, I was not allowed to watch that show. 
You 28 now. Well, I'm 28. Yeah. Well, now I don't. Now I watch anime. I don't watch cartoons unless it's Kim Possible. That that's that's my mom's fault. She didn't let me watch things that were on like Nickelodeon and stuff. So that cursed cat dog went on Nickelodeon. But I got your well, point. Oh, was it on Cartoon Network? Mm-hmm. Yeah, if it was a Nickelodeon or Cartoon Network or anything else other than Disney and Disney Junior, I wasn't allowed to watch it. Well, no wonder you think you're a princess. Exactly. Although my dad told me that every little girl deserves to be treated as a princess. So, yeah, it's their fault. I figured it was. <laughs> um, okay, so this tour guide is laying on the slab. Oh, I wrote slap and not slap. Oh, he's laying on the slab. <laughs> and now I'm just like, a... have a bunch of victorious references coming in my head because I watched it when they put it on Netflix. Um, so she's laying on the slab and she hears shuffling kind of like going around the autopsy table and there's no one else in the room, and then whoever's, like, shuffling around stops at her head and moves the hair that is in her face. Like, I guess she had, like, bangs or something, and they moved, it moved her bangs out of her face, like, lifted them off her forehead and moved them and, like, smoothed it down. And, Mm. yeah, and she was, like, I remember it so clearly and vividly, and it was, like, supposed to be terrifying because obviously you can't see like she couldn't see who was doing it but it was like very lovingly I guess and I'm over here like that is an autopsy table nothing being done to that body should be done lovingly that is creepy it's creepy because you can't see it and it's creepy because of the situation and where you're what you're laying on that's what makes it creepy. Ma'am, I need you to get up and don't ever lay on this thing again. But of course, in the show that I watched, one of the investigators lays down on this slab. So. And a lot of people like to do it on tours. And I just will never, I will never understand that. If you, if a dead body laid somewhere, I do not want to also lay there. I mean, um, that is definitely true. <laughs> yeah. But other visitors have reported being touched in the morgue, whether they've been standing or lying on the autopsy slab. A lot of people report, like, being touched on the calves, like, the, or their upper calf. Um, like, sometimes they'll report, like, just being poked or, like, they can feel, like, an entire hand grabbing them. Um, a lot of women report their hair being touched or pulled. Um, so the show that I watched, the investigators, like, went down into the morgue and, like, made sure there wasn't, like, cobwebs or anything like that. Um, but they were able to substantiate some of those claims because the investigators that were down there did experience a lot of that as well. Uh, not the touching, but they, I think one of them felt like their hair was being moved and then they definitely heard like footsteps and like banging and stuff. Um, so now we're going to go into the third class dining room. So this dining room is the dining room that I said People believe that it was built over a cemetery and sacred site for the local indigenous people. Um, they've used the site for burial. It says burial ceremonies. Um, but it could have been like an actual burial site. Like I said, we don't know. Um, many staff members believe that 
the third class dining room is actually the most active part of the quarantine station, but a lot of visitors and investigators have more luck in the shower block. Uh, staff and tourists feel the sensation of being watched in this in this area. They hear footsteps moving all around the room. Um, one tour guide has seen a little boy like crouching in a corner of the room and he's just weeping and crying. Um, so this tour guide has like tried to approach this little boy to get close enough to ask him if he's okay. But as soon as he gets close, the little boy disappears before he can like get close enough to touch him or like get his attention or whatever. Um, he's like, he's like, he's like he gets close. He's like, yeah, no, I'm shot. And just like fades away. Yeah. Um, but they staff believe that this is a little boy named Isaac Lewis. He died at North Head of Scarlet Fever at just the age of five years old. And now it's all sad, depressing. Now we got to end the episode because there's no coming back from that. Well, we're almost done though. <laughs> um, so then there's the kitchen for the third class dining hall um so i think it's like down below the dining hall or it's like in a different building like an adjacent like area or building um the tour guide so there's the tour guide that gave the tour to the investigators in the show that i watched um which is where i got a lot of these like staff member stories because a lot of the stories that i read were like visitors and stuff like that um but a lot of the staff's uh, stories came from the episode of Ghost Hunters International that I watched. Um, so the tour guide that gave them the tour uh, said that she was sitting on one of the counters in the corner of, um, I think this is the kitchen that they call the employee kitchen, but it's like the kitchen that was used for the third class dining room. Mm-hmm. Um, she was sitting on one of the counters in like a corner one night and she felt a cold hand grab her ankle and yank really hard as if someone was like trying to pull her off the counter like you know how like you're sitting on the counter and like your mom comes by and like grabs your leg and just like pulls you down um no i don't know what that's like my mom's oh, I normal do. <laughs> oh, that or less. um so sometimes visitors will see a girl in a pink dress. Um, okay, so this story was a little confusing to write, but it was, why'd you point at me? All I'm saying is a girl in a pink pink dress. Oh, that it me? Okay, I got you. I thought you were pointing because, like I said, the story was confusing, and I was like, I'm not confusing. Um halted the whole podcast to make a point may I continue now I never said you stopped you stopped yourself cause I had to give you the face and that she did Okay, so there's a dumb waiter in this kitchen, and um, if 
sometimes there will be a staff member or like a, a tour a tour participant standing in front of the dumbwaiter and then like other tour participants or staff or visitors will see a girl in a pink dress appear behind whoever is standing in front of the dumbwaiter and this girl in the pink dress will put her hands around that person's neck and start to squeeze. So one guest in particular, like it wasn't just one or two people that saw this girl in the pink dress appear behind her. The entire group saw this. And so this girl in the pink dress appears behind her and starts to choke her. And she was struggling to get away. Huh? So that ain't it, Chief. <laughs> um, so as she's struggling to get away, nobody knew what to do. They All they could do was, like, stand there because they were like, we can see through her, but she's choking this person. What do we do? Um, so eventually, the woman gets away, and this girl disappears. And when the apparition disappeared and released the woman that she was choking. This woman had red finger marks around her neck and the tour guide that was leading the group could see the whelps or the whelps getting bigger. Like as like they were looking at him, like they were like getting bigger and like changing color. And she was like, there's no way this girl could have think that she was like, that is the only violent thing that we've ever really had happen here. Um, but it, I mean, everybody in that tour group immediately left. Like, nobody wanted to finish the tour after that. I mean, it um, makes sense. I mean, yeah, I would leave too. Like, there, there's no, like, there's no explanation for that. There's no, like, oh, they didn't mean to scratch you or whatever. Like, how do you not mean to choke somebody? So... Yeah, I don't know either. Okay, so there were three cemeteries on site, but now only one remains. So one cemetery was built very close to the, like, location's drinking water supply, so they moved that cemetery. And then the other one was built, close, like, too close to, like, a residential area or something, so they moved that too. So now on site there's only one cemetery and for some reason, there were two tour guides out, like, investigating, or not investigating, but they were inspecting a gravestone. And so they're both kind of standing around this gravestone. Well, one of them got really cold, and she felt like a really, really intense cold spot. And it was just on, like, one arm. And so she moves away from the gravestone and, like, didn't say anything about it to, like, her coworker that was with her. So then that coworker like moves around her just instinctively and gets closer to the gravestone. And a few seconds later, she turns to the back to the first coworker and is like, Oh my God, come feel my arm, come feel my arm. And her arm was freezing to the touch and it was white and splotchy as if like, mm -hmm. like you know, when you know, when like white people are cold, like they get those spots on their skin. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it happens to me all the time. So it was, like, white mm -hmm. and splotchy. That's what I was like, yep. Yeah, on one arm. And then, like, the other arm was completely, it was pink, it was normal, it was warm to the touch. It was just that one arm that was, like, icy cold. And it happened to both of them. 
Because, like, the first lady that it happened to, she just, like, moved. And then it happened to the other person who instinctively, like, without knowing, moved into the, uh, relatively the same position or the same spot. Um, okay, so now we're going to talk about the Ghost Hunters International investigation. Uh, Ghost Hunters International is, like, an offshoot of the Ghost Hunters uh, classic. They had they kept getting requests to investigate locations that were out of the U.S. and Jason and Grant they have families and so they were unable to really commit a lot of time to traveling around the world. So they created an international team, which they sent to Hawaii. They sent them to Malaysia. They've been to Japan. They've been to Romania. I mean, they're the ones that investigated Frankenstein's castle and Dracula's castle, and they've been to a lep castle they've been i mean they've been to these places in all these other countries that i want to go to and i'm very jealous so wait 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 you'll go one day okay so they investigated uh the quarantine station uh, of North Head in 2010, and they were able to back up several of the claims that staff and guests were reporting to them. Because, um, you know, I mean, I don't know if you know, but, like, if you've ever watched an episode of, like, Ghost Hunters or Ghost Hunters International or Ghost Nation, um, Kindred Spirits, anything like that, they do interviews with the client, people who've been in the location, guests, sometimes staff, uh, old owners, things like that. So there were people that they were interviewing that were telling them about their experiences and they were having the exact same experiences. Like not in the same way or like in the exact same space, but they experienced footsteps, they experienced whispers, they experienced, um, you know, the cold spots and the like weird banging, like all that kind of stuff. Um, so one investigator experienced frigid cold or frigid cold spots in the morgue. So this is the guy that was laying on the slab and he felt a lot of like a really big intense cold spot. He heard uh, walking around the room while he was laying on the slab. In the third class dining room, investigators experienced uh, shuffling footsteps literally all around the room that they were in or all around the, like, entire dining hall. Like, they couldn't pinpoint where they were coming from, but it sounded like two or three different people just, like, walking around. Um, but there, of course, was no one else in there. Um, they heard loud banging, and Brandy, who's one of the investigators, actually felt one entire side of her body turn really cold. And uh, to help document that experience, she had another investigator, um, I think it's Ashley, um, to get up and come over and feel her arm. And sure enough, just the one arm was cold because the other one, or it was her hand, just one hand was cold and the other one was fine. Um, so they did get some video footage from the shower block. Um, they were hearing one of the door handles of like a shower door rattle. Um, I tried to get copy, like, get versions of this that I could send to you, but I couldn't really, like, find any that I could send to you, so we'll just have to, like, watch that episode or something later. Um, you can watch Ghost Hunters International on Peacock, um, so it's just the, the quarantine station in Australia episode if anybody else wants to watch it. Um, 
I think it's like season two. Yeah, I think it's season two, like episode four. Uh, I could be wrong. I didn't write it down. Sorry. Um, so they have the video footage of the shower door rattling. Uh, there was no one else around. Um, they couldn't find the exact door, but it's definitely a door rattling. Like I heard it and automatically, like if I had heard it, I would think someone was like rattling a door. Like it's just what it sounds like. Um, so then, um, so Joe, so the people who caught the door handle rattling in the shower block, it was Joe and Rob and Joe was like walking to try to find this door handle that was rattling while he's doing an EVP session and he's asking questions. Well, he walks past one of the showers and he hears a voice from inside that shower and they go back to the audio. None of their audio picked it up. But just a few minutes later, during another question, during the review, they were able to pick up an EVP. Okay. Um, so, like, they had heard a voice, but they didn't catch it. And during review, they caught another EVP that happened just a few minutes after they should have caught this disembodied voice, but didn't. Um, it sounds like hey or something of that nature. It doesn't really sound like a word or a sentence. It's just kind of like a very clear like sound to get somebody's attention or to let someone know that there that something is there. Um next, Barry and Paul were in the shower block and they did pick up a disembodied voice on their audio. So they did pick up something that they heard in real time. Um, Barry was using the 360 mic, which you can listen to in real time. So if you're doing an, uh, an EVP session with the 360 mic, you sit there with the headphones in and it plays back the audio as you're hearing it so that you can hear EVPs in real time. But like you wouldn't be able to hear them without this audio device. Hmm. So um, they claim that it sounds female. Um, and they know that the two female investigators on the team, Brandy and Ashley, were nowhere near the showers at the time. Rob and Dustin think that this voice was saying Paul, who was one of the members investigating the area when this EVP was caught. But it's not clear enough for, like, me to make an opinion over if that's what I really think it says. Um, but their client did seem to concur with it, was saying a name. Whether or not it was Paul, she said it sounded very similar to, like, Paul or... Saul or something of that nature. Um, so Dustin and Barry were in the employee kitchen. So I think that's the third class dining or dining room kitchen. Um, they were doing an EVP session and they were asking questions. And at one point, Dustin asks, "How long did you work here?" And there's a voice <laughs> that answers, "Too long." So when they played it back for the client in the reveal, she concurs that it says, so Barry and Dustin and Rob and like Joe and the rest of the team couldn't really agree on what they thought it said. And then when they played it for the client who was one of the tour guides, uh, she heard too long. And Dustin was like, see, that's what I thought. But then Barry swears that he hear, he heard three months and he was listening in real time with the 360 audio. So it either mm -hmm. says three months or too long. Um, but it, I mean, it's very clear that it's a voice to me. Like it's not like the, the EVP that they caught in the showers. Um, I don't feel like, 
I just, I don't, I don't know. Like, if I, the more I listened to it, the more mechanical it sounded. So, like, to me, mm-hmm. it, it might not have actually been a disembodied voice at all. Um, but this, the, the other one that they caught, it's definitely a voice. Like, the one in the kitchen is definitely a voice. There's no doubt in my mind about it. Um... So later in the night, Rob and Joe go back to the shower block to do another EVP session to see if they could get anything to tell them their name or communicate with them specific details. Um, So Rob asks if it is possible for whoever was there to tell them their name. And in review, they did find a reply on their audio. It said, let's talk. It was very loud, very clear, even the, like, client, like, she heard it and just, like, was immediately, like, taken aback, like, what? Let's talk? What do you want to talk about? Oh, my gosh, you know, like, she just immediately was so intrigued by this clip. I mean, it's very clear. It's one of the clearer EVPs that I've heard. So, that's, yeah. So, then, and this is the one that I was, like, really upset I couldn't get a copy of, but Barry and Dustin, they did a lot of, like, photography that night so they walked around the grounds a lot and they were taking full spectrum pictures um and they did catch a photo so it's a photo of like a fence um i forget like what what angle this what angle or what building they were pointed at but there's like a fence and it's like a three foot fence it's not a tall fence it's just a three Mm -hmm. foot fence and you can see the like very very transparent image of the figure and like you can see hands and you can see like the like a coat like the coat opening like Mm -hmm. in the middle with like a white shirt underneath it and then like the outline of like a head and because of the height and the height of the fence they're like it seems like a small boy and I'm going to find a copy of this picture or play the episode on the tv and take a picture of it to send it to you um I didn't get to do that before we recorded but it's one of those things where, like, if you look hard enough, it's there, but mm-hmm. once you see it, you can't unsee it. And to me, I'm like, this isn't a double exposure picture because it's a digital picture, but the things that are behind the fence don't reflect, and it wasn't there in the picture before or after. So it's just a very interesting photo and there are other amateur photos out there there's supposedly a photo that was taken in the shower block of like a man and a a little girl um i was unable to find copies of those photos but i i i read and heard a lot of references to them um Mm -hmm. so a lot of people get evps and a lot of people get uh photos from this place um I, but the one thing I did, I said at the beginning of the ghost segment is like, you name it, Q Station has it. I didn't see any references to orbs, which made me happy because I'm like, people who report seeing orbs, I'm like, are you seeing a bug? Are you seeing dust? Like, you know, to me, there's not enough information about orbs to like prove that it's paranormal activity, but that's just me. Um, but yeah, that's all I have for the quarantine station. Um, it seems, I feel like my ghost segment was really short, but I really wanted, because of the issue I ran into with the previous topic I was researching, I only really wanted to present stories that were first-hand karma. accounts or, huh? I said karma. Oh, 
I really only wanted to like present stories that were from sources that I trusted or claims that I saw and heard reported over and over again. So I did see a lot of references to like pictures that were taken and stuff, but I couldn't find copies of those pictures, which is why I like didn't talk about them. Um, and I really only have like a day to research this. So I didn't get to do a lot of digging the way I really, the way I normally would have. So that is the Northwick uh, quarantine station in Australia, New South Wales, Sydney. Yeah, I got nothing this one. This was like the one I was like, man, not much going on for me. I'm just kind of like here for this one. Everyone is just like, boom, I have some of this one. I was just like, you know, I'm tired. <laughs> I mean, I'm tired too. And I knew he would be like, I, I knew this problem. This episode wouldn't be as like bantery or like back and forth with you losing your mind. But, um. But I mean, all in all, like the ghost activity, like aside from that one girl in the pink dress, like choking people, like I really, and the ch people being shoved against the wall in the shower, a lot of the activity is just like, it's so normal for this place. Like people, it's been reported to be haunted for a very, very long time. And mm -hmm. the staff are used to it. When the staff approached ghost hunters or the TAPS team about this location, they never once said that people are scared. It was just like, hey, People have said we're haunted for years and years and years, and we want proof. And Taps gave them proof. So it, nobody has really reported, like, being scared or worried about their safety. They just, they know that they have a few spirits that dislike women and can be a little aggressive. So they're like, hey, let's be a little bit more respectful around these people. Or let's, you know, stay away from this area. Or when we go through it, let's be really quiet and, you know whatever and so i'm like oh that's super nice so like even though like this place is supposedly like or is reported to be the most haunted place in australia there's a lot of consistent activity so it's not really like all this crazy crazy activity it's just very consistent which i appreciate because you have all these these locations that are like oh this is the most haunted location in, in arkansas or um Alabama or whatever and then I start reach researching it and there's really only like three or four claims and yeah they're like incredible like big claims but to me that doesn't prove a place is haunted because mm -hmm. activity can be generated by the people that are there and so it might be the person that's haunted not the location um because spirits can attach themselves to, to people and objects I mean, I would do because then I'd feel like I was never alone and I'd be that person showering in my underwear. Like it would be suits crazy. But, um, but like, I really like places that have consistent activity and they've had activity for years. And it's the type of activity that like staff members aren't afraid of. They're like, they were people too. And they probably died a horrible death. So we're just going to be respectful, but you know, we'd like some proof, you know? And so I like that. Oh no, I lost him. It says he went offline. I hope he didn't get mad at me. Oh, he didn't choose a cute name either. He just put DQ Anderson. Oh, is that him texting me? Oh, his laptop died. He didn't plug it in. That might've been what was making the noise though. Okay. So I'm going to close this out. Um, 
Thanks for tagging along on the newest episode of the Dumpster Fire that is a fearful earful. Um, DQ says goodnight. And I don't really know if he says that he loves you, but I love you. And have a great weekend. Yeah, we're both very tired. So we're probably just going to go right to bed after this. Good night. You can find us on Twitter at a earful capital ae we are not on instagram as of yet but you can find jordan on instagram and twitter at perfectly underscore wild with an e and me dq on twitter at d-a-q-u-i-n-t-o-n capital a n-d-e-r-s so it's the quentin anders and dq04 on instagram our facebook is a fearful earful all one word and you can email us your creepy stories or topic suggestions at a fearful earful pod at gmail.com. If you like what you hear, the best way to support the show is to leave us a review on iTunes, share with everyone you know, and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. We're available on Anchor, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. A Fearful Earful was created by me, Jordan Anderson, with co-host DQ Anderson. All A Fearful Earful art was created by Gerilyn Anderson, my sister, and music is by One Wave, licensed through Premium Beat.